The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard, and I'm Dude Two, Joe. And this is um, fun fact for those of you that don't know. We record a lot of these episodes in advance, so if I'm correct, I believe this is the first episode we're actually recording in 2022. Yeah, you're you're correct. Actually, that's kind of weird to think about. It feels so long since we last did this. Yeah, it's because like we had. What was it? We did um, Dune, Vertigo, and those were like two episodes that we were uploading. Um, those are the first two episodes of the year, but we recorded those during the holiday period in which we were like, um, you know, <laughs> we were taking somewhat of a break, admittedly, and, and at one of those points, we didn't even record an episode. That was our friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, it's it's officially 2022, so we're here. We're starting off strong, I guess. Ooh. But uh, <laughs> before we get into this week's episode, dude, to my good friend, how are you? Eh, I'm just gonna say it right off the bat. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you 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 were saying you were kind of dealing with a lot. So yeah, just uh, I'm not gonna bring up too too much of it on the show. Um, mm-hmm. we got more, we got bigger fish to fry, but you know, it's just, it's just been a rough, a rough couple of weeks. I mean, obviously everything with COVID is, is really just at the heart of it all, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's just figuring that out and, um, just with everything and stuff relating to my job, it's, is it's almost always like a question mark every day. I, I understand that hundred percent. Uh, not going to say anything beyond that. Um, but uh, you know, I'm also doing okay because I got a new TV, which I've been wanting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, you know what I've seen it. It's a beautiful TV. Yeah, it's uh, it's an I got an, an LG. It's an OLED, which um, nice. The damn thing looks gorgeous. Um, I got a 48 inch, and it's like it's like flat. It's like edge to edge. Yeah, there's no frame really. It's it's like a it's like you're looking at a moving floating like image like versus a, like something in a frame it's like a window you know it's very strange yeah. very strange um but it it also hooks up well with my sound bar so i can really get take advantage of dolby atmos take advantage of hdr a bit more very nice you know uh so been playing around with with, with movies and stuff like the monster verse movies um if if you want like like you know really good 4k movies the monster verse movies all like top tier uh, 4k discs you know i was watching the helicopter scene from kong skull island and with with a nice uh surround system and just the like a nice like hdr picture quality and on a really nice tv it's like you're seeing it at the movies again um which nice. is really which is really rad but the that's my that's to cut you off that's like my favorite feeling about having a 4k setup is that some movies look so good you feel like you're watching them for the first time like you watched them on the big screen you know what I mean? yeah yes 
Yes. Um, uh, other than that, t- today the Steelers won a, in what is probably going to be Big Ben's last uh, regular season game. There's a chance we might make it to the playoffs. You know, that depends on uh, Chargers-Raiders game tonight. Uh, we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with that. You know, as long as they don't tie, the Steelers are in. But I'm not expecting the Steelers to make a deep playoff run or anything like that. But it is, it's, it's nice that with the struggles of this year and just all that, they were able to, you know, able to put the pieces together to get to this point in the season. So, mm-hmm. um, sorry, dad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ken, I don't know what to tell you. You got Baker. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I really got to say. Um, I know you have a lot to say. I don't know how much you're going to divulge of that. Um, but I, the, oh, I'm saying everything. The, the floor is yours now. Yeah. I'm saying everything. Um, well, first and foremost, it finally happened. This genuinely terrible thing I've been trying to avoid for a while now. I watched Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh. <laughs> you really mean everything. <laughs> no, I won't start there. Um, what actually happened was uh, I got COVID. In fact, as as we're recording, I have it. I am breathing it into my microphone. So if you're listening right now, <sighs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, it was funny because like, I was thinking about this because it all starts um, last Tuesday when my mom wasn't feeling very good. And my poor mother, on that note. like It's funny to think just too because... Early on in like our first episodes, we talked about how she would always find herself in these positions where she would have to get tested, right? And she, it would come back negative every time. We're like, yes, yeah. Um, but in this in this case, you know, with everything, especially Omicron, and I mean, I don't know if that's what I have, but at the same time, you know, it's just it's just going everywhere. I know my work has had a pretty strong outbreak. In, in a way, like, so many people have called off, so many people have gotten sick. and But at the same time, not to call my own work out, you know, we'll see if this stays in or not, but they don't wear their masks all that often, and I have to yell at them all the time. I literally, like, you know how you know what I do? I look at them and I say, why can I see your nose? Mm. Or, like, why am I looking at your face right now? Yeah. I don't want to see your face covered up. And I'm sick and tired of it. And there, and you know, I, everyone else, like uh, like a lot of the other managers too, are kind of upset with it and done with it as well. And and I haven't been to work since last Saturday because I was quarantining initially because of the exposure. But then obviously now I've tested today and I tested twice because I wanted to be sure. And uh, now I have it, hundred and ten percent. But I don't feel bad. Um, I don't, I mean, I boosted, so that obviously helps. Right. Um, the only thing I'm dealing with is sinuses, but I've been dealing with that for a little bit, so I might've had it, um, sooner and didn't realize. Um, but it all started on Tuesday when my mom tested and she tested positive and she was really nervous about it. Um, now that no, I don't blame my mother at all for this. Like, obviously she's not asking to get sick. It just, you know, she's had to deal with a lot of outbreak stuff at her work and, they store the freaking COVID tests at her work in her office. So obviously if people are getting COVID, they're going to go to her office first. So that's not fair to her, but you know, she had it. My dad so far has tested negative. So that's good. Um, I tested positive today, like I said, and I don't feel bad necessarily. I mean, again, it, it could feel different tomorrow, but 
I'm going to be off work again for another week, basically. <laughs> yeah. Which is not going to help the paycheck, I'll tell you that much. But, yeah. you know, as long as I'm not getting anyone sick, because I still, like, listen, I feel I feel fine, but if I got someone sick, I would, I'd be done. Yeah. Like, that's the last thing I want to do. And so I'm happy that I'm not going to be at work, though, with the stupid five-day um, CDC thing. You know, I'm going to have to go to work with COVID at some point. Which is not fair to my coworkers. It's not fair to me. So I don't know. Again, I don't agree. I don't agree at all with the whole thing. So, but I I have no other choice. So I don't know. I guess I'll find out down the road. I mean, my hope is that I had it maybe a couple days ago, and by the time it time the time comes for me to go to work, plus I only go to work at certain days anyway. So maybe I've sort of made it work for myself in the way I've arranged it. So I'm hoping that given the way things turn out, when I get back, I won't have it. I won't have to deal with anything. Cause again, I don't want anyone to get sick from me. Um, but yeah, so two years guys, two years of the pandemic. It's come, it's come to the show. I mean, obviously John and Kenny had to deal with it and they've recovered. Thankfully, I hope I hope to whatever deity exists, if any, that you and your family doesn't get it, Joey. That's the last thing I want to hear. So I, I obviously wish you best luck. And I know you guys are super safe, and I know you guys will take care of yourselves. And you're boosted, so that also helps. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad everybody in my house, house is boosted. Um, you know, but even then, it's like... It's getting harder. It's getting hard. It feels... Yeah. It's so weird to say, but it feels... I, I have almost less hope now than I did in 2020. I agree. And that and that is something I never thought in a million years I would say, you know. Because, you know what, the, the, the funny thing is, like, I knew, like, I'm looking at those tests and I'm like, I've never seen, even my mom's and looking at my own, I've never seen a positive COVID test in person before. Mm-hmm. Like, it was such a radical thing to think about. And I'm like, why am I not freaking out? Because this feels inevitable. That's what it is. Yeah. This feels like this was going to happen regardless. And I hate that it did. I, I, I feel like, like when it initially happened, I felt like I failed a little bit. But, I mean, at the same time, I'm not going anywhere. I mean, listen. I'm boosted. Li- li- listen, I, and I think it's, it's easy for, I think especially in the early part of the pandemic, it was easy for people, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to include myself in this, to just sort of victim, like say to pe- people, it's really your fault for getting this. Like, yeah, there, are certain, yeah, there victim, was a certain yeah, like, kind of person yeah. that would just not adhere to protocols or, you know, be cautious. And it was so easy just to say, ha ha, told you so. But we're, we mm. are at the point where because everything is so wide open, unless you're in like certain areas in this country, um, that it, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's really easy to get it now, you know? And that is... Yeah. It's and just just top the bot like again we're not a COVID show, we're not medical. No, the irony experts. the irony is I've been told by like a few people <laughs> that I talk about it too much. I'm like, well, guess what, boys? I mean, guess what, girls? Li- guess what, people? Li- listen, it's it's hard. It's it's you know, yeah. What else? There's not really much to talk about because it's not like I can say, oh, you know, uh, 
I, I went out to eat at this nice restaurant that just opened and, you know, I had this steak there mm, and the server was real nice. No, my experience is going into a place to get takeout with my mask on. My mom questioning me um, if I should be wearing a KN95 for a quick trip inside a store. You know, I try to save my KN95s for work or if I know if I'm going to be in a place for a lengthy period of time. Um, and just, it, it, it's, it's a very, and then also just really interesting too, when like a place that I, we frequent, you know, for, for taking out stuff for like breakfast, they for a while didn't have masks on. Then now suddenly everybody's wearing masks there. So it's like the situation is extremely fluid. And I feel like people only really take notice when like there's spikes and then when the spikes are done, they're like, oh, we're fine. Yeah, it's it's like let's um let's do like a wait and see. Like I think about the scene, not to really anything the movies, but Pacific, but like Pacific Rim. This is a, listen. This is a movie show. That's uh, Pacific what we do. Pacific Rim when they shoot when they shoot uh you know <laughs> shoot one of the monsters and it goes <laughs> let's let's unload the guns just just in case. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, let's, just, let's check for a pulse. You know, no pulse. Um. But there's so many things to talk about because I, I was hearing something too that like is very discouraging like as a response from the government. I mean, a lot of things have been discouraging from the government, but like mm. in, in particular, they're like, oh, this group of people is dying. That bodes good news. I'm not saying the exact words, but it was Paraphrasing, it yeah. was um, it's kind of scary, you know, to, to just to just hear that, hear those words uttered mm-hmm. and um, uh, the shits here, folks. But. Um, it's here. I want to take a bicycle and just fly the fuck away from this conversation about COVID right now. Well, hold on. Was there There's one more one thing you got to talk about? There's one more thing there, I'm going to talk about. Is there something you have to? Is it Ghostbusters Afterlife? Maybe because I'm really going to get the hell out of here. Then let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about that less than COVID. <laughs> I'll just say this. I'll just say this. I'll leave you with this thought since it since COVID sort of taken over the conversation. Because I did want to talk, because I did genuinely want to talk about uh, this because I have been watching, because now I'm finally watching all these movies that I missed last year. Right. And I was excited to see Ghostbusters Afterlife at a point. Um, I'll say this much. Um, and you can keep this in if you want. This is all up to you. <laughs> uh, the 2016 one made more sense to me. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> I have no strong feelings one way or the other, but <laughs> like, like the first Ghostbusters is the only truly great Ghostbusters. Yes. But if I had to pick between the the two like recent quote unquote reboot ones, there you go. And then everybody forgets about Ghostbusters too. <laughs> it's just there. <laughs> So again, yeah, you can keep this in if you want. This is <laughs> I don't care. I could take the heat. That's fine. That's fine. Um I don't, I don't mean to put you in the oven with me though. Just listen, <laughs> but listen, I'll I'll just hop out of the oven at this point. <laughs> Cuz we got we got some bikes to get on um, yes. and, and fly into the sky. So anyways, yes. Um this is actually a really exciting episode outside of the the unfortunate news of movies that you know are you know, eh, reboots type stuff and COVID. Um, I don't mean to drag on that. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, be- what's exciting about it, though, this episode is because 
you know, we've been we've been kind of experimental, it feels like, for the last bunch of episodes, especially last year, with talking about trilogies and talking about series and just kind of implementing new ideas. And so, I mean, while that's always fun, I think it keeps the show fresh and interesting and exciting to do every time. Not that it's not ever exciting, but um, this what's exciting about this is that this is a very, like, classic, simple sort of you know, thematically similar, like narratively similar type situation with these two movies. And it was, it just, it was just a really cool idea just to be like, you know what? It's easy. It's simple. And I think that's something we need right now with, you know, just all the like crazy sort of big ideas that we've been doing the past bunch of episodes. This yeah. is a good suggestion on your part. Yeah. I know Gifford was saying something about it too. I want to mention him, uh, you know, but this was an idea that I had for a while, and to me, it just made so much sense um, as a pairing, and also because I, I do think in uh, while they're both they're movies that are loved, I do think in certain respects that they are still in some ways kind of underrated or not as talked about. I can I can agree with that. I can agree um, with that. And uh, but, yeah. what's the fir- what's the first movie? What's what's the what's this first classic movie we're talking about, Joey? Well, the first one we're talking about is the 1982 Steven Spielberg-directed movie, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. Oh. E.T. That's actually not an E.T. impression. That's me talking through my COVID. Um, yeah, that, that like Richard's putting on a real facade right now, but when he drops it, he sounds, he sounds like this. I sound like a leper. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to tell my... Fr- I was actually going to tell, uh, I was talking to my friend earlier, and I was like, he was like, oh, I was like, if uh, if anyone tries to come near me, if I, whenever I go back to work, I'm just going to punch him in the face. It's like, stay away. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> and he was like, that sounds like a good idea. And I'm like, I'm going to pretend I'm a leper and go up to him like, you did this to me. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just thinking about now Jafar's disguise in Aladdin. <laughs> Bring me the lamps. That could be more. <laughs> Whoever has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> when I re-listen to this, I'm just gonna see that that creepy shot of him like smiling. <laughs> oh my god! But um, no, yeah, ET the extraterrestrial. Yes, this is like it's it's weird. This movie, it's, place it's it is pop- kind of a weird, it is kind of a weird movie. Uh, just just its place in pop culture has changed so much in the last 40 years um but i still feel like it's super influential though like there's so many movies that you look at like we were talking about with die hard and the sort of influence with that you know like i think of iron giant just right off the top of my head iron giant it feels like if that if et didn't exist iron giant wouldn't exist to a certain degree that's not to say it wouldn't have but that's what it feels like or I think about Stranger Things. I know there are other things Stranger in things, the eighties, yes. but it very that first season especially very much is E. T. hundred percent. Like anytime you think of like anytime I think of like eighties movies with a bunch of kids and there's like some sort of extraterrestrial thing happening, there's like Goonies, even though it's not really extraterrestrial, it's more adventure, but like it's still a bunch of kids like doing something like extraordinary. Yeah. And then E. T. is also in that fold as well. Yes. Yes. Um, so E.T., the extraterrestrial, this came out in 1982, which is always crazy mm-hmm. to me because a year before that, we had Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark from Steven Spielberg. You know, Man's on fire. Man's on fire. He's, he's just hot stuff. 
you know, other than 1941, I, I think came out, what was that? Is that 1980? Or is that after those movies? I'm not, I'm not sure. I've never actually seen 1941. I just know it's like regarded as one of the lesser it was of his work. 79. I've never seen it either, but uh, very curious. Uh, this is, is, you know, in a lot of ways, and people think, like, people talk about like Amblin, like the Amblin style or like the Spielberg style. This is quintessential. Yeah. This feels yeah. like the, like, if you're like, this is like the textbook definition. Um, it's Amblin. A, a, yeah. yeah. So if you've never seen this movie before, you got a little, got a little alien, you know, <laughs> he's, he's like, he's like a little squishy looking thing. He, he's got kind of a, he's got like, imagine like Wally, but made of flesh. That's a really, <laughs> that's a really good way to phrase it. Holy cow. <laughs> Isn't it? Uh, yeah. Like, like he's, he, he's left behind and, uh, he's, you know, he ends up with, uh, with this family. Elliot. <laughs> I'm wiggling my finger at Joey in case you obviously can't see this. <laughs> the finger wiggle. Oh <laughs> my God. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the Taylor family as it says here I, I don't think i ever knew their last names uh, yeah i was about to say i don't think i ever knew that i just knew elliot and then yeah. drew barrymore and then the older brother and the yeah. mom so, that's it. but specifically like et like forms a bond with these kids but more specifically with with um the middle child elliot with elliot and it's not even just like a friendship it's like they're literally connected so like when et feels something elliot feels something and vice versa yes like I yes. think I think of the classroom scene wholeheartedly, which is great. When uh, <laughs> ET's ET's stuck at home and he he raids the fridge and he finds all the was it Coors? <laughs> or <laughs> he finds, finds all the, the Coors and he starts drinking them all. <laughs> and then Elliot just play just completely just just out. He's like yeah. he's making faces and the kid the, the you know Henry Thomas little kid I love Henry Thomas. Um, you know, he's, he's just really funny just seeing him make drunk faces. And just picturing Spielberg behind the camera going, okay. <laughs> you know the, you know the, make this face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just make um, this face and you got it. You know, like, they have a close relationship, but also at the same time, the government is, of course, looking for E.T. Yeah, the government's always after aliens in these movies, man. Just leave them alone. The government's after E.T., you know, and basically the premise, as E.T. says, E.T. phone home. He he wants to get home. He wants to go home. He's just, uh, just, he just trying to go home, man. <laughs> let him go home. <laughs> Stupid government won't let him go home. Uh, there, There's so much to say about this movie, I feel like. Um, I think, I, I think we have to start, like, because we were mentioning Henry Thomas. Um, I think it starts with, like, the child the child actors in this movie who we really are we're really following them throughout this whole thing. We really are. I mean, obviously Henry Thomas first and foremost, because he is, he's Elliot. He's the central child. And like the whole family, um, it's a single, it's a single mom family. And it just kind of feels like they're all taking care of each other a little bit. Um, obviously it feels like it's fresh, the 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 dad because the dad left right isn't that the story yeah more or less so so obviously the mom's still reeling um from that and just having to you know take care of the kids by herself 
and it's you can you can obviously it's not something that's lingered on but it's something that is very important to like the vibe and the feel of how this family sort of you know going about um the older brother what's the older brother's name the older brother's um he's is michael michael he's kind of i feel like if this was made in like you know 2015 2016 finn wolfhard would play the older brother for like 2017 because he's just like I just keep thinking of his character Mike from Stranger Things because of you know the D and D stuff. Honestly, I I feel like his 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 character in Afterlife would would probably fit like his that age range would probably fit this. Joey, don't bring up Afterlife. Well, listen, I, I it's, it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I agree. I agree with that statement. But don't bring up Afterlife. What are you doing? Mm. <laughs> On that note, I do know a lot of people that, like, cried because of Afterlife, so they're going to hear me say that and be like, what's wrong with you? Anyway. But, anyway. So, uh, <laughs> but you got, um, I want to mention uh, Robert M- Robert McNaughton uh, played played Michael, and, um, you know, he, he feels like a realistic older brother. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 that's the thing. These performances feel pretty natural authentic yes authentic is is the word um like i think i I brought this up with like the peanuts and it's so important because like the peanuts they're all they're voiced by kids and Mm -hmm. it just it's it's not that that it's wholesome it's that kids have 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 just they just react to things you know that you you have their what they're feeling you you can clearly see in a lot of instances you know, there's just there, like there's a certain there's a certain aesthetic with a child that you can't get from like an adult because an adult knows like how to react to certain things or at least they know how to bottle things up so like their emotions could be a bit more subtle. Whereas a kid, like I agree, you know, they wear their emotions on their sleeve a bit more. They're very vocal and honest about what's going on, and you know, there's it's just a certain thing that you that if you can do right, you know, just makes more sense. And so I think under under that you know under a great director like steven spielberg you know when you see these three kids you know michael the older brother very much so like he he's obviously like i'm cooler than you but he still cares about his family you know like when elliot um says something rude and mean about the the whole father situation you know michael says why don't you just shut up you know he obviously gets mad because he upset the mom and then drew barrymore Freaking Drew Barrymore yeah. as a little girl, you know the little girl um, who steals the whole movie every time. <laughs> every scene she's in, she steals the movie. Um, she's she's so funny, but it's also just crazy too because it's like you know one of her like her first like earliest memories are are mm-hmm. acting with ET, you know. <laughs> and one thing um, that was brilliant, I mentioned this to you, and this is not something that's very typical with Hollywood productions. They they shot this in the order of this, like the script, like they told this. They, yeah. They you were it. saying that. Yeah. Um, and they did that to, to make the cat have the kids emotions feel more genuine because, you know, they first meet ET and especially later on when ET is dying. Okay. That shit is still, it, it hits you hard. And it was I always about, I, it's oh always God. the hardest thing to watch in the whole movie. I think about when when they're like and they're trying to like they're trying to bring him back clear and you see Drew Barrymore's face and you're just like oh no that was that was the per- listen whoever the editor on that one was that was the perfect cutaway shot to just to immediately get the waterworks going 
because uh, Ca- uh, Carol like, Littleton. Like, bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Emphasis on brav and o at the same time connected into one word. That is bravo. Because yeah. that, like, the mo, like, it, you could have been, sh- you could have had anything in that shot, and then cut to Drew Barrymore, you'd you'd cry. Like that's how that's how effective uh, seeing young baby Drew Barrymore crying face just, uh, you know, it's so good, um, and. That's like like the believability of just the whole family. I think should be worth noting too. I mean, yeah, the kids are great, but like the whole because like if you don't believe like the family works as well, like the mom was very good, wasn't that? Um, D Wallace, D Wallace, mm-hmm. she's great. Um, she's very very good in the movie. And then of course you know the thing that really needs to because like you already got this great family, you got great chemistry with everybody, you believe everybody fits. And then you have this extraordinary, you know, or extraterrestrial, you know, um, that is E.T. And he's a puppet, which, you know, obviously practical effects uh, were fantastic in this one. Um, you really got to sell E.T. because E.T. is also something that, you know, breaks your heart a little bit. So if you're not feeling that emotional connection with that with that puppet, with that character, then it doesn't work, obviously, because it's, it's kind of a strange concept. But... Immediately, I think the moment you meet E.T., and like, I think the moment, like, at the beginning, the first scene when you see the spaceship go away, and you see E.T. just, like, kind of shuffling as he does through the woods, you're immediately like, oh. He, he's so, like, I think about other movies that have, like, cute aliens, and they just look yeah. like, like plush toys, whereas E.T. Is, is so wrinkled, and he looks so helpless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to not to put this into your brain, but... I have heard the word scrotum tossed around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but because of that, like, you want to protect E.T. Yeah. You want, like, like you want him to, to, to be okay at the end of that. And so, like, it, it even, it's even more heartbreaking when he starts getting sick and you're like, God damn it. Yeah, that, that, it, it's really, it's really a movie that really pulls on the heartstrings. I, I almost quit. I think about, like, Snow White. And the seven dwarfs. It is just a, almost a purely like emotional experience, um, you know. But there's also there's a lot going on. Like as you said, the dad left them, and I'm sure this connect this connected with a lot of kids, just because. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because what's the big thing that happens in so many blockbusters, especially things that are influenced by Spielberg works of Spielberg? Divorce. 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 Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, even thinking about the whole trope in like Disney movies, where like the there's always just one parent. There's always just the always just one parent. Um, and just for my own personal uh life, um, you know, my I, my mom was a single parent, so like seeing D like especially watching this now, I think about my mom whenever I see D Wallace because she had to work, and it's like when one of us was sick, it was just like <laughs> it just it was rough. It would messes things up. And, you know, um, I think about as a kid, just trying to like, <laughs> try, trying to be sick on some days. So I was like, I was there with Elliot, you know, um, uh, but it, it resonates me with me more, uh, especially like seeing that stuff, you know, but I'm, I, I enjoyed it as a kid, obviously, you know? Yeah. This was, you know, funny enough, this is one of those movies that I, I watched when I was younger 
but it didn't stick with me as much as other Spielberg movies. I think it was something that stuck with me more over time. And I think I think it was in, in some regards a lot of it was I felt so uncomfortable and, and sort of gross and scared because of like the the bit when they're in quarantine and obviously they're trying to like, you know, revive ET and just like the pale skins like scared the hell out of me. Yes. That's why to this day I, I will never watch the movie Philadelphia. Because I know, like, or any movie that has to deal with, like, AIDS or anything like that. Because just, like, when you get, when you see, like, that good makeup effect, it just, like, huh, like, it hits, it hits a little, a little bit. Yeah. Haunting. Um, and so, like, that was one of those movies that, because I think I saw that at some point, and I was just like, ugh. And so it kind of stirred away from it. But obviously I grew up with Spielberg, like, like most people. You know, Jurassic Park was, is still my jam. You know, it's one of the best movies ever period mm-hmm. enough said yeah absolutely um and just you know so many so many other movies uh I, but with that one i think with et it was something that i was able to appreciate more over time because because it was so simple because it was so heartfelt and emotional because you know when you're younger maybe you're watching it and you just you know you're you're more looking for like you know explosions and you know something that's more flashy to you um but then you know, with this one, I was able to enjoy it a lot more later on, and I can, and I and I enjoy it even more now because I rode the ride at Universal yes. recently, not that long ago. I finally got to do that because I always remember seeing the freaking like ad for it, and I was like, "How does that work? Like, you get you sit on a bike and like it? Fl- how does that? I want to know how it flies. I mean, obviously, it's just like a it's like a normal ride, but it was still cool." It it is really cool, and what's really cool is when ET pops up in your in your basket too. Yeah, like it's so <laughs> that ride that ride just never closes. It is it is just pure joy whenever I go on that. Mm-hmm. I my favorite part of that is like in, when you're in the, like the later part of the queue when you're about to board and you're in the woods. Oh yeah, I like that. I uh, liked I liked any time like you're on the bike and like you see like a like a headlight or something like yes. you feel like you're ET in the woods. You're like ah yes. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, oh, it's so good. Uh, but like, I feel like you know, for a lot of the movie, you don't really see the faces of like the government officials till like the end of the movie. I feel like, or like, mm-hmm. you, they're not as prominently featured. So it makes me think think a lot of like, in, in a certain extent, like Bam, like Bambi's portrayal of man. You know, mm, it's, yeah. it's this force, and you these silhouetted these. You just these hear, you just you this the silhouette. You just hear like the gunshots. Mm-hmm. Gunshots, yeah. uh, the, the the you know the flashlights, um, mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. Um, let me just look at my notes real quick. Uh, I did see this in theaters, by the way. I saw this for the twentieth anniversary, and that was when they added special effects and all that. Thankfully for Blu-ray releases and all that, they haven't done that. Because <laughs> was, was it like a like a George Lucas very sort of much yeah yeah the, definitely a George Lucas situation um and there are some where in some scenes where it just takes away from the tension in general you know like um mm. the most infamous being um you might be familiar with this the scene where they're like flying off of the bikes which well, we haven't really talked about that scene but when all the kids are flying with the bikes or about to in mm. the movie they have like the the government has guns Okay. They, yeah. They have guns. Not that they're going to shoot, but like you think about, like when you're a kid, you're like, oh gosh, they have guns. But then, like in this uh, edited version, they have walkie talkies. Yeah. I mean, I remember you telling me about that. I don't know if I ever, I might have seen it with the walkie talkies, but 
I mean, obviously, I think of the the shotguns. Yeah. More. Maybe it's just because we just watch it not that long ago, but yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be a good one to watch in theaters, honestly. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like with the that John Williams score. Um, when they finally like fly in front of the moon, obviously the iconic Amblin logo. Yeah. Shot. I was also um, it was make I was thinking about this a lot. I was watching Close Encounters again for the first time in a while. Another good Spielberg movie. Another great Spielberg movie that also deals with like parental separation and aliens and mm-hmm. is an it's just an incredible, incredible, really like one of his best. Honestly, um, it, it's hard between that one and like as far as like my favorite like alien Spielberg movie, it would either be Close Encounters or E. T. I guess, but it's it's so hard because E. T. has like such a heart to it, um, and is such like is is like a perfect like the best piece of cotton candy you've ever had you know mm. and and close encounters like especially when you're older because as a kid i didn't like close encounters that much but i when always you get older i always just remember seeing commercials for it in, like the vhs it would always be like yeah close encounters of the third kind the collector's edition <laughs> but i think the the, gr- the greatest thing with this movie is just that sort of there's the magic that it has and that's perfectly exemplified yes. with any any of the bike stuff the bike flying the sequences. Mo- the moment, the fr- like the first time the bike goes into the sky, which go when it's the Halloween, it's after Halloween, and so, you know what the funny thing was too on that note, oh, someone named Shane, um, just followed us on Instagram. Thank you, appreciate thank you, that. Shane. Um, <laughs> so it's live, guys. We're recording it. It's not live. We're recording it. <laughs> Yeah, but even so, thank you, Shane, yep. for following us mm-hmm. on Instagram. Um, the funny thing was, like, because before I ever watched the movie, I always knew that the Amblin logo came from ET, obviously, because it's that iconic shot of the bike in front of the moon. Yeah. But I was always confused, like, why does he have a cape? Because I just remember like the red hoodie, and he goes, "Yes." Oh. And then I was thinking about that when we were watching, like, that's right, because you know he's—it's Halloween. He's dressed up in his Halloween costume, and it's got kind of like a cape or like a cloak sort of vibe to it. Yeah. So that's where the cape comes from. So I was always sort of like, it was—it was sort of like a oh yeah kind of moment this last time we were watching it. So that was kind of funny. Yeah, but <laughs> any any time like that first scene when the bike shows up and you hear the John was like da 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 da, which is such a great. I'm getting goosebumps just hearing, hearing you hum it. It's it's such a it's so it's so iconic because John Williams was John Williams has put out a lot of great pieces of music, but I think I think like e. the list is endless. The list is endless, but I think E. T. ranks highly for me because it really just captures uh, the the feeling of awe and wonder. And I think about the end of the mm-hmm. movie too when E. T. leaves, which I was in tears at that point. You just you don't you like because you just had you just had this adventure with him. He's had this. You had this adventure. You know their lives are changed forever. And just when he went, like, what gets me when he, and I'm like, I'm choking up as I say this. And he's like, I'm noticing. I'm like, Joey, I'd hug you, but I have COVID. I'll be right, right here. And then he like, oh, and when he's like, he he like touches him and his finger glows, and he's like. Yeah. Uh, right. Not. Yeah. You know, yeah. I also just wanted to mention uh, r- real quick. Uh, uh, Peter. Uh, Peter Coyote. I guess his, his name is. <laughs> Listen, if your name is Peter Coyote, bravo to you too. Um, who plays Keys. Uh, 
the, gov- the government agent, agent we really get to know. Um, yeah. You know, and it, I, 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 there's some parts in there where I'm like, you know, he sees himself in Elliot and it's just, I, I like it when he says, I'm glad you got to meet him first, you know? Yeah. It was, it's a nice thing. Um, man, this movie. Uh, it's, but you know what, you know, what's the one thing that sucks about this movie, Greg? Freaking, I, I'm glad you mentioned him because I was so worried. <laughs> Freaking Greg, we, we weren't gonna talk about Greg. You know what? You know what? If Greg's listening, shut up, Greg. Uh, not the like. Uh, uh, Casey Martell uh, is plays Greg in this movie, and I'm sure he's a fine, upstanding individual. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure he's great, but you know what? Shut up, Greg. It's a testament to your acting ability that we despise this character. <laughs> that we were like, you know what? Greg is a piece of shit. I don't care how old he is. He's mean to Elliot. He doesn't understand. I give him props for helping at the end. He, at the very least, he was he was with Michael. He was with Elliot. He's with Ponyboy from The Outsiders and that other kid who I can't remember. Yeah, I give you points for that, Greg. But other than that, shut up. Shut up. Um, shut up, Greg. <laughs> I mean, there's so there, there, there's really just a lot to talk about. I'm just looking at this, but my thing is. I this is my my thing. I feel like this movie is incredibly influential, incredibly iconic, mm-hmm. as we've I talked agree. about. And I'm sure many of you listening it, have know at least a couple things about ET. I think I know where you're going with this because I know you you have this. Go for it. Go for it. I'm 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 of the mindset that I think ET is an is despite its status an underrated movie. Can you? Uh... Explain your 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 feelings. All I ever hear people do is shit talk ET. That, that's that, that's which I remember you telling me about this, and I was like, I don't. I guess I just don't hear people talk about it. But I was kind of surprised because I always just figured people just held it in such high regard. But now, when you said that, I was like, that's interesting. There's a few things to this now, and it's understandable for one of these reasons. Okay, 1982 really was the year of because this thing dominated the box office and there were so many movies that came out in 1982 that just just flopped. I mean, you think about like Blade Runner, right. infamously, uh, The Thing, which is another movie about aliens, which is equally great for different reasons. Um, that needs to get on the show at some point. I'll it does. It, it does. Yes. Um, so I think ET, people hate E.T. the same way people hate Marvel movies or hate Star Wars Um the, the, is it the popularity? I think the, pop, the they think the sheer popularity was just so massive. It's kind of like a Titanic Jesus. or Avatar kind of situation too. The different the differences between ET and Marvel movies. ET is actually a good movie, but that's <laughs> <laughs> listen. Make no mistake. There are Marvel movies yes. we like. However, there are, <laughs> but it, it's easy for us to also. Don't you com- don't you compare pair your crying to Tobey Maguire showing up in his street clothes <laughs> to when ET leaves Elliot? Don't you dare do that! Shut up, Jump. Greg. <laughs> anyway, anyway, no, sorry. It, that was listen, funny. Listen, like, and I, I it, again, I think it's one of those things where it's like almost like it, it has this cycle where it's like it starts out and it was a movie that honestly, on paper, it probably could have failed. But then yeah. it becomes the big. Yeah. It actually surpassed Star Wars at the time of its release as the biggest movie of all time, you know. And then it cycles back to like it was popular and cycles to this is just incredibly overrated and sugar saccharine and all that. And mm-hmm. now I'm just like it's this weird phase where it's like 
I don't know if people show their kids E.T. anymore. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> I mean, I, I wholeheartedly, like, because I've always, I've always hated, hated the idea. Because, like, I understand, you know, you get bombarded with things. People are just kind of, like, that's how I feel with, like, obviously, you know, sort of initially joining, like, the quote-unquote the film community. Mm. With, like, film fans. <laughs> and, like, I hear, like, oh, Citizen Kane's the greatest movie. Vertigo's greatest movie. And that deters it in my mind because it's like, oh, they're putting in this fucking pedestal right. and say it's the greatest thing ever right but that feeling alone yeah that's there but i don't want that to dominate how i feel about something because it does it's not fair to the thing in question no it's like yeah it's successful but there's a reason these things are successful to a certain extent and you know it's not the same for every single thing that's successful because there's some genuinely terrible things that make a lot of money i full-on admit that but some things that have had longevity that have had you know, great success, but also great impact on so many things. Like, they only get downplayed simply because people like them. And I hate that concept so much. And, you know, and again, this has come from someone who's a Batman fan, a Star Wars fan. Both of those things have yeah. very terrible fan bases. Yeah. I full on admit that as well. <laughs> but I, but again, I don't want that to affect how I feel about what I'm watching. Right. And so I, I hate, I hate that that's, that's a thing with E.T. because I don't think E.T. deserves that. It, it it doesn't. I think it, it's truly one of the best movies of its kind. Also, I just want to uh, mention uh, Melissa Matheson real quick. Yes. Rest in peace, Melissa, Melissa Matheson, um, please. Incre- I mean, listen, like, and this is a very personal story for Spielberg, too, but she was able to really help bring this story, help bring yeah. this story to life with her, her script. So may she rest in peace and all that. I know it's been a number of years, but still. I mean, um, she's, her influence is just as impactful. Yeah. With, it's, she's, she's made, she's worked on so many amazing things, so. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a movie. I think it's 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 perfect as it is. It doesn't need a doesn't need a remake. It doesn't need a sequel. It's it's got a good and it's got a great ending. Perfect. Though, admittedly, I'm always like, what what do you think the kids are up to now? <laughs> like, do you think ET came back? But then again, maybe that mentality is like, that's why we need sequels and reboots. I know there's like a book, like ET: like e. The Green Planet. <laughs> Like an a, actual oh, yeah. book, um, and then that's like the oh, that's ride cool. has stuff with that, obviously. Because mm-hmm. the ride, that's actually the ride, pretty cool. All right, that's the cool. Ri- the, the ride is not an adaptation of ET. <laughs> it's, you're on <laughs> ET's planet. <laughs> like we got this. Uh, but yeah, ET, I think is a is one of Spielberg easily one of Spielberg's best movies. Um, what, prob- yeah, probably so his probably his most personal movie when you really think about it um as far as personal life and all that um and just a very special movie that still makes me cry uh and i can't say that about a lot of movies and i hope people can get over this hump of like oh it's overrated like just stop (laughs) just stop please just stop Um, (laughs) anyway uh (laughs) anyway we're gonna take a brief uh brief intermission uh we'll get back yeah when I'm done, when I'm done with this COVID thing, what do you think about Hawaii? Ooh, you know, maybe uh, ride that Hawaiian roller coaster ride. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and you know, I, what? I, I sound like I, I sound like I'm hitting on you. I apologize. Ooh, <laughs> maybe I am. <laughs> so watch out, Allison. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs>
Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about E.T., the extraterrestrial. And fun fact, we actually did that yesterday. <laughs> this is actually a day later. Yes, it is. Uh, but before we get into a lot of things, I just, um, because... Uh, what was it last night that we found out about the? Yes, uh, yes. Oh God, yeah. The passing, yeah, we should mention that the passing of just comedian, um, sitcom director, director, sitcom America's dad. Uh, if you grew up in the nineties, Bob Saget. Bob Saget. Yeah. You, did you watch Full House? I don't. I don't know. Oh, we never listen, really talk like, about Full House. I used so to not... watch Nick at Night religiously. Same. Absolutely. I used same. to like especially especially Full House. And you know, just like there's some like so there's something so heartwarming about Full House and like obviously it's it's intentional. But um it was also like part of that group of shows that I talk I've talked about on here before that like TGIF like aesthetic where because it was Disney, wasn't it? Full House? Or like was ABC, it um or... Paramount? Maybe one of those because I know uh, Fuller House is Netflix. Yeah, so Netflix obviously ended up snagging that one, but uh, I just remember um, it was part of that sort of block of shows that I used to watch like that, and like um, I watched Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and then I watched Boy Meets World, and those were like all my favorite sitcoms. And um, there was I still remember the episode where they go to Disney because I've talked about it before. Um, and I'll always remember it even more so now because there's that, there's that point where, um, Steve, (laughs) the DJ's boyfriend, um, doesn't go with them on the Disney trip and DJ's missing him. So all she does is she sees Steve everywhere. It's like Steve's everywhere. And then guess what? At one point he shows up as Aladdin, which if you, if you get the reference, if you get why that's like a nice on the nose little thing, there you Um, go. But I mean, there's a lot to be said about Bob Bob Saget, but you know, um, I just thinking back to Full, Full House, and is your is your experience mostly with Full House? I came. I'm sorry to keep no, interrupting. It's, you. I'm just it's definitely mostly with Full House. Um, it was definitely a surprise later on to find out, <laughs> like the type <laughs> is stand up material? material. It's like it's like you. It's like seeing like Big Bird. Uh, on Sesame Street, <laughs> and then it's like Big Bird suddenly appears in the Happy Time Murders or something. Like, <laughs> good gravy. Um, but no, yeah, he yeah. his yeah his stand up was very let's just say like not for. Children. But he could do both, you know. And you can't yeah. say that about everybody. I feel like with a lot of uh, comedians, a lot of people, they feel like they could only do like one like one or the other like the the, the wholesome like the sacra sugar saccharin wholesome stuff or like you know the more on the edge yeah edgy stuff um but i think about full house you know i i just loved it as a kid you know i, I don't know if i'd ever rewatch it now me too but like especially as a kid like i didn't grow up with a dad but like they had three they had three dads basically they had three and dads were, yeah and i think there's a lot of talk about like positive masculinity nowadays with a lot of like different figures like mr rogers and all that and i feel like those Mm -hmm. three figures represented just so much you know with with uncle jesse uncle joey and of course danny tanner you know uh they're just (laughs) they're all great i love them uh yeah yeah. i mean i i just just like you i grew up with full house i would i mean awfully i watched fuller house it was it was it was entertaining at times obviously they would poke fun at like little moments uh from the old show and uh, but I think 
it was definitely like like you just said it was a surprise to see like bob saget stand up i think of like robin williams because like i think of robin williams i think of all of his characters in films and he has such a range with all the different characters he plays in, in films and you know i think of like his oscar winning turn in uh uh, Goodwill Hunting, and then you watch his stand up, and you're like, "What? Yeah, <laughs> like what?" And that's exactly the same with Bob Saget. Like Bob, um, he had such a like whole like like he was like the most wholesome character on Full House. So when you see his any of his stand up, you're like incredibly shocked. And and in a certain way, though, I almost feel like that maybe like just gave him that label but from what what i've been hearing especially from like all these people who knew him knew him from the stand-up circuits knew him from different shows and stuff that he's worked on different movies he's directed um like he 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 was a man of many hats and you know he like you were saying he he was able to do all these different types of things and do do them really well um so like i i like him as danny tanner but i do like a lot of his stand-up as gross as it can get sometimes yeah like I still, I still, <laughs> I still remember. Um, in his one special called "That Ain't Right" was from like ten years ago. Um, there's a bit where he's talking about like how surprising it is that something like Smeagol exists, <laughs> or like a leprechaun or something. And he goes, "Listen, if you go out into the parking lot and you see fucking Smeagol, you shoot that motherfucker." <laughs> 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 oh man, it's so good. If you and he also did a lot of songs. He was very musical musically talented too so like in the stand-up he would have a lot of songs and uh there was one I, I liked called the old english folk song i shared on twitter which is essentially like this song where like um he talks about this like family who's uh you know they're they're doing different farm activities and they seems like they're having like a really like wholesome good time but every time you think um he's gonna rhyme something he just said with something very dirty he switches it to the next line so, so like, I think the first, the whole thing starts off with, there was an old farmer who sat on a rock, stroking his whiskers and playing with his, um, st- <laughs> and then it goes into another right. line. You think it's going to, so it's like your brain making you think, oh God. Um, but it's such a fun song. So yeah, rest in peace wholeheartedly, Bob Saget. Uh, also much, much love and, uh, condolences to his, his family, friends, uh, anybody's working mm-hmm. with them. Uh, we miss you, but. Uh, moving forward uh, from that, I think we're now ready to um, talk about our second film and our double feature pairing, uh, which is a very unique one. It is a very unique one. It does sort of take a similar, um, I guess you could say, framework or almost like um, uh, the beams of a house type framework uh, that E.T. had, but builds on it very differently. And uh, it's this is this is actually from a director. A couple of people we've talked about already on the show, uh, Chris Saunders and Dean Du Bois. Hopefully, I'm saying their names right because uh, they co- co- they basically created the How to Train Your Dragon series, which we did a whole episode on that trilogy, which you should go listen to if you haven't. Um, but uh, this was their f- this was one of their other projects. This is one they did with Disney in this film. What year did it come out? This uh, was, I believe, 2002, which is, it's, um, it's another crazy thing where, like, E.T. is 40, is 40 years old this year, and then mm-hmm. Stitch is 20 years old. And, <laughs> yes. But also, because I saw uh, uh, E.T. on the big screen the year it turned 20. 
which is also the year Stitch came out. So it's like, <laughs> aging is weird. But aging sucks, man. Um, either way, uh, the film we're talking about is uh, Lilo and Stitch. Mm. Yes. Yes. Which, uh, before we say anything, I would be remiss if I did not say something about my sister, who I've talked about a few times here and there on the show. Um, she is an avid listener. She likes to text me whenever she listens to an episode and she asks me a bunch of questions. Um, she just watched our Chef Ratatouille episode, I believe, is the last one she's on. So she is pretty well behind, but, you know, she's also busy. Well, that's, a, that's a good one. I'm, I'm always very curious about her <clears throat> thoughts, too. Like, whatever you say, mm-hmm. like, oh, she's listening to this, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> she's like, I, typically the notes go, like, what's this? Joey sucks. What's that? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, listen, that doesn't, that, that's just par for the course, man. <laughs> I mean, that's what I say. Yeah. Let's be honest. So... <laughs> No, Joey's the best. What are you talking about? Joey is amazing, okay? You're amazing. <laughs> this is a reference to a movie I haven't seen. Anyway. <laughs> I wonder did you, did you I wonder if you got what I was were going you tra- Were you trying to do the No Way Home thing where Maybe? You're not lame, you know, Joey. You're you know amazing. What? I feel like okay, just a si- sidebar here. Like I feel like Gifford would be Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> I fought an alien, and he was purple. And just because of that comment, you're just Andrew Garfield, and I'm just old man Toby. Wait, I thought. Well, I'm trying to say you're amazing, so I thought I would never mind. <laughs> oh, you it. know what? Yeah, that makes sense. Listen, I haven't seen the movie, That's, and I know uh, I for, Listen, I, I forgot about that. It's not <laughs> twice, and I've been thinking about other things other than Spider-Man. <laughs> Which is, t- you know, it's typical. But, that makes uh, sense. Lilo but, uh, and Stitch. Yes, I I got to... Uh, just, sorry, I just to, again, um, this is this movie specifically, of the two Disney movies that she considers her favorites, this one is my sister's favorite with... Uh, Little Mermaid, I believe. So it's this and Little Mermaid. Um, she actually collects Stitch dolls, like this, like the plushies. Which I got, I got one for her for Christmas. Uh, it was the, uh, it was actually the Little Mermaid themed Stitch. So and she, she liked it, so I was good. But yeah, I figured I, sh- I got to give a shout out to my sister for that one. For this one, for this movie, period. Um, but Lilo and Stitch is, it came, like I said, it came out in that post-Renaissance period. Like, the Disney Renaissance, it's kind of crazy how, how like, omnipresent Disney was in the 90s. Or felt, like, all those sing-along mm-hmm. tapes, Lion King made so much money, Beauty and the Beast being a Best Picture nominee, um, Pocahontas exists somehow, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know all those all those crazy um all these crazy things and then after 1999 we got 2000 you know well 1999 you had like fantasia 2000 at the end of the millennium and dinosaur mm-hmm. dinosaur came out which is a very unique movie and basically a lot of the movies in this period i feel like some of them if you couldn't, if you if you didn't tell me they were a Disney movie, some of them, I don't know if I'd be able to guess because some of these feel like early DreamWorks. That's a good movies. point. Yeah, like I think about stuff like Treasure Planet and um, like Atlantis 
and some of these other movies and they don't feel they, they don't like that that's kind of the thing with like the revival eras like you had stuff like tangled and frozen which is much more in mm. line with the disney branding and the disney formula and all that i mean i 100 percent agree honestly because like i also think of like the road to el dorado mm. and like how that feels more similar to treasure planet than say like treasure planet feels to beauty and the beast or lion king or anything yeah. like that like like i do respect that disney at that point was trying to do like different things which you know i, I think you know a lot of my favorite stuff that i grew up with came out during that era you know and lilo and stitch was definitely one of them and one of the like i think though like if you were going to compare stitch treasure planet and atlantis i almost feel like maybe stitch to a certain degree would maybe fit more in into like disney versus especially versus like say treasure planet i think yes so I, but also part of it is because of the success of stitch like the other two movies we just yeah, mentioned yeah. atlantis didn't do very well and treasure planet i'm pretty sure is one of disney's biggest like disasters as far as the box office is concerned and Stitch has had a whole... This is why we'll never get another Treasure no. Planet, and that breaks my soul. But, like, with Stitch, I mean, you had, like, the, the, uh, the TV show, you know, you have... All the direct sequels. All the sequels, the merch... There was a ride. The, the merchandise, okay? Like... I, like I said, my sister collected the freaking plush Stitches. But it's one of those things where, like, when you go to, like, a Disney store, there's a f like, when you go to, like, a generic Disney store in um, any of the parks, right, you'll... You'll find Mickey, Minnie, mm. Goofy, Donald, Pluto, and like the the Fab Five, but you'll also find Stitch. Like he's he'll he'll be there too because it's such a huge merchandising, um, a huge merchandising <clears throat> thing. And of course, as you said, with your sister collecting those, there's a very like especially the recent like Stitch dolls that are like patterned to other Disney movies, which the what's it like Stitch crashes Disney? I think it's called which makes sense which makes sense given that the most memorable thing for me when i was a kid with this movie were the trailers yeah or even just the po like look at our thumbnail for the poster it's literally stitch sitting there with all the like famous disney characters just staring at him like what there's, there's one in every family <laughs> which is per yep. which perfectly describes this movie honestly like i haven't i hadn't seen this movie in a couple of years and it's a movie i do mm. like but i don't watch it as much as like other stuff that i like like beauty and the beast jungle book um, right Mr. it sort of Toad. falls by the wayside a little bit it, it yeah it does but it's like one of those things where I, I saw this meme where it's like if a movie has a 3.9 on letterbox it's secretly amazing or it, it just is amazing yeah <laughs> and it does yeah because it's like it's 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 because it's one of those movies that like you don't i mean yeah I, i'm definitely on the same boat like i haven't watched stitch in a very long time and yet every time i watch it i remember why i like it so much yeah like, it's just one of those things that you're happy exists. It's not one of those things that, like, like with Disney movies, you know, there's certain movies that you just watch consistently over and over and over. Like, I've seen Atlantis a million times. I've seen Lion King a million times. Stitch, on the other hand, I, I can't say I've watched a whole hell of a lot, but I do remember it, and I know that I love it. And then when I watch it, it's that nice, you know, you know, uh, can, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, it's just nice to know that I still love it. And so, like, I come back and visit it. Yeah. And it's just that reminder, I guess. But it is such a weird premise, because basically, Stitch, Experiment 626, as we're introduced to him, it starts out like this this science fiction story 
where he's this experiment that's mm. he's like this this <laughs> this monstrous <laughs> creature who crash lands on Earth, you know, and, mm. and then is mistake is mistaken for a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's adorable, so I guess. but yeah like the whole the whole shtick is definitely like again it has a similar framework to et it just set up differently in that you know et was left on uh earth by accident whereas stitch was is a he's basically a prisoner um of the like galactic whatever they're called and so uh he he escapes um because he's He's, he's he's smart but he's also devious he's he's not like evil he's more just like um i uh i'm i can't think of words right now he's you know <laughs> yes mischievous yes that's a good yeah. word yeah like, yeah I, I blame covid for my lack of words it's coming all right. out it's all right <laughs> but also unlike et we're like et's fo- folks come come after him because they they i feel like they do genuinely care about et Whereas in this one, they mm-hmm. just got to catch ET just because they're told to. They don't love, they don't love, uh, not ET Stitch. They, they're just catching Stitch because they don't because they have to, you know. And it's, it's no, they just like they just need to. They, they just need, or to. else they're gonna get in trouble. Um, but like ET, and this is really the main reason. Well, one of the other main reasons why is that ET deals with like divorce. Okay, like like parental parental separation, all that stuff. Uh. This movie, uh, Lilo's, you know, Lilo and uh, Nani's parents are dead. They're they're not around, and Nani is trying to raise Lilo, and it's tough. It's yeah, like, and it's not even just that. It kind of you know what I hate. I hate to compare this to the Babadook, but it sort of gives me that vibe a little bit because, um, uh, the mom in that film is obviously dealing with a child that's like, I guess for lack of a better word, difficult. And so that's sort of Nani's position as well, because I mean, Lilo is eccentric and Lilo is, you know, kind of be kind of follows the beat of her own drum, which is great for Lilo and great for just everybody in general. Um, but obviously, you know, for Nani, I'm sure she like finds some struggle in that because, you know, she's, but she also knows Lilo so well that, she's able to like get it done you know what i mean so but you can definitely see the struggle in that regard but also just having to like now be a parent yeah and you know having to you know work at a job and dealing with uh social workers coming to visit cobra bubbles um ving rames (laughs) (laughs) yes oh my god but um you know, it's they're 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 doing the best they can, but obviously there's a lot of struggles. And then Stitch comes into their lives, and again, Stitch as Jumba, who is the scientist that created Stitch, uh, Stitch um, said, Stitch or Experiment Six Two Six, his only intention is to destroy. And so he's, you know, he's like he wants to be Godzilla basically, or he wants to be like. Rah! You know, he just wants to be a monster, but um, now now he's put in this position where he has to hide a so he doesn't get in trouble, he doesn't get caught, but also b uh, he he doesn't got nothing to break, and so now it's like a whole new experience. Like what's going on? this? Like these people are like taking care of me. These people are like 
trying to take care of me and all I'm doing is ruining it. And so it, it leads into that, that whole concept of family or as this film says, Ohana, which, you know, means family, which also means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. It's true. Um, I was reading somebody's review of this and it's one of the, the few Disney movies where it really delves into like the flaws of the characters. Like we really are exposed to character. Like sometimes we get characters who are just like a little quirky, you know, and it's just like, they don't have real issues. They're just a little quirky. You know, that's their biggest character, yeah. like character flaw. But with, with this, like I think about this, like when Lilo was biting people, like she, she, she yeah. throws hands sometimes. <laughs> uh, she listen. She's scrappy. Listen, and like and uh, Nani, like um, <laughs> like Nani tried to get 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 her basically. Um, I actually, it's funny. I was reading up on this. I, I, if you are from the UK, please. Or if you're watching the watch a Disney Plus, confirm this is true. But I think the they edited that scene on Disney Plus where it's not. Of uh, like a a dryer or like a laundry uh, machine, it's like a cabinet, so they don't have kids like jumping into like (laughs) laundry machines. (laughs) So this one, so this movie had edits too, as well as ET. It did, but the different the difference is like ET. Like when you watch ET now, you're not seeing the special edition version. Lilo and Stitch, I think, on Disney Plus, or and definitely in the UK. Um, I haven't watched Lilo and Stitch on Disney Plus, but in the UK, I think it's it's a changed thing. But um, I'm curious to see that. Yeah, now. but even so, like all yeah. the characters have like that <laughs> they have all these these massive. I don't want to say massive flaws, but like there's a lot going on with them, especially Nani. There's a lot going on with them. Yeah, especially Nani uh, and Lilo, of course. Uh, the supporting cast in this is just phenomenal. Can we just say, like, the characters are just fantastic? I mean, first off, we got to talk about the best character amongst the bunch. The uh, the man who's got a farmer's tan with an ice cream cone. Yes. Best character. I mean, listen, this poor dude, you know, he's probably, I don't know if he's from Hawaii or if he's, you know, on vacation or whatever, but every single day, all he's trying to do is lay out in the sun, enjoy a peaceful day with his ice cream cone. And you know what happens, Joey? Joey, do you know what happens? Joey. It, it- do you know what happens? His some some jerk knocks over his ice cream, and it's it's the most heartbreaking thing of this whole movie. Ever of every single thing that happens, <laughs> it's no I'm kidding. It, but, it is upsetting. But, it is upsetting. But it is upsetting. Um, but no, uh, there's a lot of great characters. There's um, the, as far as the human characters, obviously we mentioned Cobra Bubbles. Uh, voiced by Ving Rhames. He's sort of the social worker, but he's got some secrets. Uh, he's very tough. I just love the fact his name's Bubbles, and then he's got Cobra on his knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he also, like, comes across as, like, obviously, he's one of those guys that, like, he's not bad, but he's in a tough spot. Yeah, because there's so many movies where, like, the social worker is just the villain. Like, I think <laughs> I yeah. think about um, Moonrise yeah. Kingdom. Uh, like Tilda Swinton as the social worker in that movie is literally like it literally mm-hmm. just feels like a bad guy. <laughs> Whereas, like, I mean, yeah, like Cobra Bubbles comes off intimidating, but Cobra Bubbles, you can tell, doesn't want to separate Nani and Lilo. Yeah, you can tell it's it's actually kind of hard for him to you know to have to do the have to do these things. 
but you know it's his job he has to do it he he sees the conditions he sees and you know he has to go with his best judgment which unfortunately at a point is to separate them um and then there's uh there's david 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 listen if there's anyone this is something we talked about when we were watching it. if there's anyone that that is a uh, in fact husband material it's david david david's great <laughs> <laughs> Like he uh, he he works at the same place that Nani worked at. You know he's a fire twirler, but he also, you know, he likes to go surfing. But he wants to, you know, wants to hang out with Nani. Wants to hang out with Lilo. You know, he he he. he I love the bit when, even though it's kind of from, excuse me, it's supposed to, supposed to be like a more sad moment because obviously Stitch is excluded. But I still love that like that that classic moment where Nani and David are swinging Lilo. Yeah, I'm like. Go, David. Uh, 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 Pleakley and, and Jumbo, though. <laughs> uh, uh, amongst the alien characters, those two are amazing. Pleakley, Pleakley is the resident uh, human expert. <laughs> and I love... He's got my favorite like setup and payoff of the whole movie, I mm. think. Because like his whole shtick is that um, he's, a, he's an Earth expert, but more specifically, a mosquito expert. And so the whole time he's like talking about like the mosquito population and how, you know, they, they need to preserve the humans so that the mosquitoes can come back or something. And so like, like there's even a point where he finally meets mosquitoes and it turns out to be a horrible experience. And then at the very end of the movie, we find out that Cobra Bubbles, who's actually like a former CIA agent or whatever, um, uh, last time he had contact with aliens was when he told them that uh, mosquitoes needed to be preserved. <laughs> And they're like, yes, yes. Um, I also just uh, and, yeah. and <clears throat> oh, go ahead. Uh, no, you Jumba go ahead. is is played with late great uh, David Ogden Steers. Um, you know, great voice actor for a number of um number of Disney projects. He was n- notably Cogsworth in Beauty and the Beast, and he was also um, mm-hmm. who was the bad guy in Pocahontas? What was his name? Do you remember the the guy the purple dude? The purple dude. Yeah. All I remember is him saying, and see how I glitter. <laughs> and you hate that movie? I do. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great line. Yeah, I mean, one great line. One great line. <laughs> the rest is doo-doo. <laughs> it's got a great line. Both Batman and old Mad Max are in it. How can it be terrible? <laughs> Let me read for old Mad Max. <laughs> that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> the only thing i always laugh at is when like those disney meme pages are just like the, the white people are dangerous it's like if there's one thing you need to you all clearly haven't seen pocahontas you haven't seen it anyway no. enough enough of my thoughts uh, on that but uh, you know the, the characters are, are jump off. i love the designs of everybody they look great mm-hmm. it's uh that great uh that a lot of that comes from chris saunders which i learned because a friend of mine my other friend joey shout out to shout out to joe um he uh at a point became sort of obsessed with the the art style that chris saunders had and he bought an art book of chris saunders that had a bunch of different uh pieces that chris saunders drew and so that art style is taken directly from chris saunders and uh it's 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 very unique in, in the best possible way like it, it, you can definitely see 
potentially how it can fit into that sort of Disney mold, given the sort of like adorableness of like every like everybody. I'm not even kidding. Everybody in this movie, even the most gross people, is adorable. Yeah. Like even uh, the what was the shark like alien Gantu. character that Kevin Michael Richardson played? Uh, Captain Gun. <laughs> yeah, even he was adorable. Oh, totally. <laughs> He's like pure like Steppenwolf vibes. Yes, <laughs> like big and imposing yet super adorable. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, I just want to point this out too. So you don't know this. You probably don't know this because you your first time at Disney World was almost three years ago. But like, uh, mm. Disney Hollywood Studios, formerly MGM Studios, it used to be a working like production facility, especially for um, animation. So, like, this was one of the movies that was primarily produced in Florida, actually, was oh, Lilo and well, Stitch. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, which is kind of wild. The other movies being Mulan, which I remember a lot because there used to be, um, you remember the, the Star Wars, um, the Star Wars launch bay area where they just have, like, the like memorabilia mm-hmm. and all that? It's That used to be the magic of Disney animation, and it used to be, like, a whole, like, show with Mushu talking about animation and you get to see a lot of animated stuff and i wish it was still there honestly because it was that would have been cool to see yeah, yeah it, it's it was honestly one of the coolest things um they had at, at studios back in the day but yeah like mulan this movie and brother bear i think were the ones where a lot of it was made in hollywood studios you know i've seen two out of three of those and the third one i haven't heard it was very good but uh i like the two that i saw quite a bit so there you go I'm not a Brother Bear fan, but that's a whole other... Listen, I started this whole episode by saying that Paul Feig made more sense. <laughs> so, yeah, whatever opinion you have from this point on is fine. Yeah, no. Um, and then the <laughs> other main thing I really want to talk about is this movie's budget. Because there were a lot of um, Disney projects, in, even in the 90s and into the 2000s, that were expensive and some of them were only modestly successful like disney was expecting Mm -hmm. like lion king cash or beauty and the beast kind of cash or little mermaid or aladdin kind of money and it's like some of them just ended up like they just wanted to keep generating like hit after hit because i think hercules was expensive but it did all right and michael eisner kind of wanted disney to do like more of a mid-budget or smaller budgeted animated movies so one of the primary influences on lilo and stitcher one of the influences uh, was Dumbo because Dumbo was a movie made that Disney made in the forties that was their the really their lowest budgeted movie out of the the first five and it was one of mm-hmm. the only ones that turned a profit in the forties and Stitch uh, likewise made money it made a lot of money it, it was made on a budget of eighty million dollars and worldwide it grossed two hundred and seventy three million wasn't. 101 Dalmatian, sort of a similar situation where, like, Disney was making all these different things, then they did a sort of smaller scale with 101 Dalmatians. That was a big hit. Kinda. Um, th- there's a lot of other weird things with that one, too. And that was, like, one of the one- early ones where they had, like, the sketch, the sketch style of Disney animation yeah. that you would see in the. Because that's, that's what I was thinking of a little bit as well. But I think about with Lilo and Stitch, though, those beautiful backgrounds that are that are clearly. Well, there are clearly drawings and, like, you know, paintings, but mm-hmm. they look absolutely stunning. Hawaii itself as a location is always great, even in even in animation. Because mm. you just know you're going to get these great scenic backgrounds um, and just the whole, like, aesthetic of Hawaii. I've, like, I, I've never been to Hawaii. I've always wanted to go. Um, 
and it was movies like Lilo and Stitch, like because I know the moment I, if I ever do end up going to Hawaii, I know the moment I, I, I get off that plane, I'm just gonna start hearing Hawaiian roller coaster ride in my head. No, see, I'm gonna get you an ice cream. <laughs> and you're gonna knock it over, you dick. <laughs> no, I'm gonna hope somebody else does. <laughs> I'm gonna be sitting there. You're gonna be like, okay. We're gonna. I'm gonna have to wear a wife beater just so I can get the same like farmer's tan. And I'm gonna take the wife beater off. I'll be sitting at the beach with my ice cream cone and my sunglasses, and you're just gonna like get bored because nothing's happening. You're just gonna walk over, slap it out of my hands, yes. like you dick. I would laugh though. Um, you know, yeah. We should on that note though. We should mention the songs. Because, like, it's not a musical, but there's a lot of great songs in this movie. Both original and as well as, um, like, sort of the the whole, like, musical presence of Elvis. Yes. Because uh, it's it's introduced um, at one point in the film that Lilo is a huge Elvis fan. Like, huge Elvis fan. Uh, she actually, like, tries to, to show Stitch after she gets Stitch from the dog pound. Um, uh, she tries to so- show Stitch, uh, the ways of Elvis, you know, to make him like a good citizen of the community. And so, uh, <laughs> so like he, um, uh, so he's like dressed up as Elvis at one point they're playing, um, they're playing some of Elvis's songs. I love the bit when it turns out that Stitch works perfectly as a, as a record player. Yes. Um, and so they have all these different great uh, Elvis songs that play out. And there's a great, I think, cover of Burn in Love that plays during the credits. Yeah, it's a very good cover. Um, so Elvis is very much a part of this. You know what it kind of made me think of a little mm-hmm. bit? Not to, like, you know, throw your personal life out there, but it made me think of, like, the VHS box a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because I can imagine, like, I don't know if they directly mentioned it, but I can imagine the Elvis influence made it, maybe came to Lilo through her parents. Right, yeah. And so her love of that. So, like, there was a point I was immediately, like, you know, this makes me think of, like, all the movies that Joey watched when he was younger. So there's definitely, like, because I remember I asked you, like, if this movie made you, like, feel a certain way. But um, we don't have to get into that if you don't want. No, but. I, I think I'll say, I'll say the same thing to you that I did before where, you know, it was a good movie, but I never, as a kid, I, a kid or as an adult, I never recognized it as, like, a defining movie post you know that tragedy post that um yeah you know i thought i thought more of et because again like the working like literally the single the single mother yeah you know trying to keep things together and you know all that stuff um but listen like leland stitch is such a beautiful looking movie you know outside and in it's um it's terrific the marketing is memorable the marketing is super memorable i still remember when you when uh I learned that when they when the movie was coming out and they were promoting the ride that they would have they like TP'd the the Cinderella's castle at Magic Kingdom in, in Orlando because uh, Stitch was here. <laughs> yeah, that was an unpleasant uh, <laughs> unpleasant experience. You know, it, it was it was not fun. Uh, Patty did talk about that a little bit because you actually rode the Stitch ride. I know because it was gone before I yeah, got there. Yeah, so. Um... What was there before was an attraction called Alien Encounter, which was often described as, like, the most horrifying attraction that ever was at, at Disney. But I think Richard would disagree mm-hmm. and say that title goes to Space Mountain. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Space, Space Mountain 
Yeah, at the moment, it's either that or Splash Mountain. Any mountain I tend to avoid. Which is sad, because I feel like Big Thunder Mountain, you'd be able to, like... Because it's not... I don't know. Next time time I force myself onto one of your trips... Yes. (laughs) I'll I'll see if I can get... Because you need to experience the attraction that was my last attraction (laughs) before shutdown. And before that hurricane. Before we had to leave because of the hurricane. But... (laughs) <laughs> anyway, no. Uh, so the St- Stitches uh, Great Escape uh, was the attraction was the attraction that replaced Alien Encounter, and it was basically a similar principle mm-hmm. where you're sort of you're harnessed into this like this uh, three sixty like sort of theater, right? And in the center yeah. is Stitch, and admittedly, the Stitch animatronic was incredible. Like the Imagineers should really be proud of themselves of what they did with that thing, but it was just unpleasant because he would he would spit, he there would be gas. He, he, like, because of the way the restraints were, they bounced as if Stitch was, like, behind you, and you could hear Stitch going, <laughs> like, uh, all, all over the place, and it was, mm-hmm. it was not pleasant. It was torturing. I, I've done it, I did it twice. Once, when it first opened, and, uh, I did it with Patty, and she, she was not a fan. Um, did you, did you like it initially, no, or was I it something you just it. immediately, like, I no? I hated it. Yeah. Hated it. Like, it was... Like anything that just straps you down, you're not even moving. You're just there, like. So you're just—it's torture. Basically. Like at least with like a roller coaster, you're like, you're like, well, it's at least going somewhere, <laughs> so you know it's going to end at a certain point when the track <laughs> stop, when it gets to the loading dock. This you're just like you're just waiting, okay? <laughs> like is this over yet, Jesus? Um, but I, and then the second time I did it uh, was one of my later trips. Um, I just did it by myself because I didn't know how much longer this thing was going to be open. And then sure enough, it's done. And I've seen some horror, like, I, I, I don't know if they've confirmed it or not, but like some horrific images of like the animatronic basically like broken down. Yeah, I've seen some of those. Yeah. Oof. But, and it's, it's honestly what's upsetting me to me more is that, that, that show space isn't really used anymore. And it's like, I hate when Disney closes something down and literally replaces it with nothing. Like, that is, like, the worst. Like, people make a big stink all the time, like, oh, I hate that Princess and the Frog is replacing Splash Mountain, or I hate that X, and sometimes I do that, too, with other attractions. Like, when Great Movie Ride closed down, I was a mess. But, um, Mm. but, like, when something just closes down, and there's, like, no plans, there's nothing, they're just closing it, it just makes it weird when I walk into, especially when I was walking in Tomorrowland, because, like, for a while... The last floor, like the Monsters Inc. thing and Stitch were closed. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I'm walking Tomorrowland. Wow, the first things I see at Tomorrowland are shuttered. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Such a nice way to enter a segment of Disney parks, isn't it's it? It's like, wow, you guys really it's, must. It's like, how about a, how about this for a welcome? There's nothing you right must here. Really want here, some... guys. Good job. Good job, JPEG. Ugh. Well, I guess I'm not upset that i miss it though to to answer your to to to, i will say i do want to add a a correction about an earlier statement the worst ride i've ever ridden at disney world is it's a small world (laughs) (laughs) it didn't try to kill me but it it, when you're describing the torturous aspect i'm like yeah i think i know what you're feeling (laughs) (laughs) i feel like those children kept jumping on my back i'm like get off me Oh my uh, god! But both of these movies, you know, space aliens and just the the the, fan, the fantastic in just everyday life, like like just seeing like mm-hmm. Stitch exist, you know, is crazy. 
that's a great way to look at because like we talked about alien invasion movies with uh with mars attacks and uh war of the worlds the 50s version and that's sort of the typical aesthetic with aliens movies is we always come from their perspective or we always come from our perspective of them coming to us and then them destroying us and and to a certain extent you can look at that as like a it it can go one way or another it can be like a fun entertaining like blockbuster but also like some other nonsense i don't know but i think it's such a better thing uh to see like the aliens perspective coming to earth and you know just seeing how like kind of wonderful like a lot of stuff on earth tends to be like you look at stitch and you know he meets a family look at et and he meets a family they both are like (gasps) you know it almost reminds you of like the small things that you take for granted you know it's it's that it's a kind of a my one of my favorite representations of that sort of fish out of water narrative we've seen a few different times in many different ways um it's just that you know i've never seen anything like this before because where i'm from is on a different planet where i'm from is uh you know it's society works this way and i come to earth and i experience something very different and so it's it is very nice to like get a movie like that and so it, it makes you appreciate things like your family and like what you have on Earth a little bit more. And yeah, the kids' movies, but, you know, kids' movies have power too, so. I mean, uh, listen, like, there are definitely parts where it's like you could, you, you like, you can get teary-eyed at a lot of scenes in both of these movies. Mm. I remember I remember telling you the first time I saw Stitch in theaters, um, it was one of the f- first times ever going to see a movie in theaters where I started crying. And I, at the time, I think I was like, you said 2002, yeah. right? So I was about 12 years old, so I was at that point where I was, like, you know, becoming aware of, like, my, my immaturity and my, like, childishness. So, like, I would start crying because of the movie, because Stitch didn't have a family, and I would try to actively hide my face from my friend. <laughs> like, oh, God, he's gonna make fun of me! It's like, now, now it's like, I should've just cried. Just, like, just own it. Listen. <laughs> just own it, man. You know. I hear, like, I work with so many teenagers that are like, I don't cry, and I'm like, shut up. You're a human. You cry. It's fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's not, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, folks, do you like these movies? I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. You know? Yes. Uh, if, yeah, I agree. If you, haven't, if you haven't seen them in a while, I think they're definitely worth checking out again. They're, they're really mm-hmm. um, some great pieces of, like, you know, popular entertainment. Um, popular entertainment about families and different anxieties that you might have about families. Uh, it ends on a, night, on a happy note. Which is nice, especially during these times. Um, you know, Ohana. It's important. Ohana is important. And it's also a restaurant in Disney World that I have yet to eat at. So that's another reason I need to force myself on another one of your yes. trips. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's all this has become. It's just my, my, my weird way to slide my way into your trip without feeling guilty. It's fine. <laughs> you say that, but then you're like, God, he's here. I mean, uh, listen, it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine, I swear. Seriously. <laughs> it's firmly fine. Um, but no, yeah. If uh, Tell us what you think of these movies. Also, speaking of the ride, isn't there... Because there's that, that one YouTube channel that you like, The Defunct Land. Yeah. Don't they have... Doesn't... Doesn't Defunct Land have a video on the ride? On, uh, on, on mainly, it's mainly about the original Alien Encounter, but they do touch mm-hmm. on Stitch, obviously, because it's a major part of that attraction's history. Um, 
you know, but definitely, definitely, uh, check that out. I mean, Defunct Land in general is great. And if you're like, I know this is becoming a plug for Defunct Land now. We're trying to wrap up the show, (laughs) but that fast, that fast pass video, it it might, might've been one of the best movies I saw in 2021. And I, and the only reason why it's not on my letterbox is because, uh, they don't count that as a movie, which is, (laughs) which is, um, listen, I love letterbox, but that's bullshit. (laughs) Listen, Letterbox still hasn't changed the the header for Mask of Zorro because it's yeah, still what, a clip from Legend of that? Zorro. It's just it's the weirdest thing, especially because like we have a list on our on on my my Letterbox is there, and it's uh, shortened versions on Joey's, where uh, the first movie is the header of the list, and the freaking image is Legend of Zorro. Like I don't want you that. know maybe the only reason why they do that is because they know what we're about and they're like you know what i think two dudes one double feature deserves legend of zorro we're just gonna let them <laughs> stick with that header that's so mean it is uh very mean um letterbox please fix richard's feelings anyway that about wraps up this week's program check us out next week stay safe and have a good night everyone Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys so much for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are revisiting a topic we discussed in episode 37, in which we are faced with a choice. We take the blue pill. We're going to talk about a boring old episode. We take a red pill. And the Matrix will have us once again. Stay tuned. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. Eee!